He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Everybody head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check it all out. College golf season rolling along. We'll update you what took place last week in Houston at Big 12 match play in that final round here in just a little bit. But, gentlemen, what a week. Sam, you sat in that very chair one week ago, and you told us, Rory McIlroy would win the CJ Cup. And Rory McIlroy goes out and on the strength of a back nine eagle takes down Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Taylor Gooch, and the likes to win the CJ Cup just a couple of weeks after uh, his emotional speech at the Ryder Cup, which he said kind of fueled him to get back to his roots, simplify the game, and go out and get it done. You nailed it, Sam. What a week from Rory. Rory McIlroy was just clicking on all cylinders this week, especially in round four where he finally got that distance controlled down. I felt like his strokes gained approach might be a little deceiving because on the tournament it says he lost uh, .91 shots on the field. However, if you watch that final round, he was putting the ball whole high when he needed to. Uh, and T-Dub, last week we talked about strokes gained off the tee, uh, and for the tournament this week he gained 1.37 strokes gained off the tee and boys before we get started can you guys name me since 1960 the players to win 20 times on tour before the age of 33 taylor you go ahead because i had this same stat pulled up to ask y'all for a trivia question <laughs> okay so how, how many players is it again it's six players well it's seven six now players before the age of uh, before the age of what 30 or 33 33 since 1960 there have been seven now players to win 20 times on tour before the age of 33. Okay, 1960. It's going back a while. Well, I'll get the obvious out of the way. Tiger. Yep. Um, Phil. Yep. Dustin Johnson. Nope. R- well, Rory just made it, so yep. that's obvious. Yep. Uh, Jack. Jack. Correct. Um, Arnie. Yep. Correct. You got two cool. more. Okay, Arnie. Oh, man. Um, are we, give me a hint. Is it modern or older? Uh, older. Um, let me see here. Not Trevino, is it? Not Trevino, but that's the right era. Um, let me see. Oh man. Why am I drawing such a blank here? Um, I don't want to hold it up anymore, Sam. Just give it to us. It's Tom Watson and Billy Casper. So the players to win the ghost 20 times before the age of 33 are Arnold Palmer, Billy Casper, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Tiger Woods. Phil Mickelson, and now Rory McIlroy. So that's really impressive. And, you know, the thing that I loved from Rory McIlroy, not only the fact that I picked him and he proved me right. By the way, I'm on an absolute heater, boys. I picked Matt Wolf last week, and I picked Rory this week. And Matt Wolf finishes second last week. My best bet was Taylor Gooch beating Harold Varner. And then, you know, this week as well, you know, obviously I picked Rory McIlroy. And the thing that I loved that he said after the round was he just needed to simplify it and be me. And I, and I think that that's ab- the absolute truth. He said that he was trying to do things to try to get better uh, that weren't necessarily himself and trying to, you know, I think he was kind of alluding to trying to hit bombs like Bryson when he really doesn't need to do that. He's already 
you know, when he's on his game, the best driver of the golf ball in the world. Uh, so tell me if y'all agree. I loved what I saw from Rory McIlroy, and I think we could see uh, maybe an elite year from Rory McIlroy this year. Yeah, Taylor, Rory said, you know, just me is enough. And he yeah. said that's what he's realized as he's done some other things. And for reference on Rory's career, because Rory's been out there for so long that I think people feel like he's kind of on the back end of his career. Rory's 32 and a half years old. At 32 and a half years old, Phil Mickelson had 21 PGA Tour wins and no majors. Rory has 20 PGA Tour wins and four majors. So, Taylor, you know, Rory seems like he's been out there for decades. He's 32 years old, which in the game of golf is fairly young. So, I mean, we've still got maybe some of the best golf for Rory ahead. And the, the book on his career is very much not written. Well, I mean, Kobe, I think we, we can both remember in particular, you know, we were in high school and I remember Rory being 17 years old being featured in a Tiger Woods game. And I'm like, my God, this kid is unbelievable. And you look back on it, that's 15 years ago now. And to, to think that so much time has gone by and to think of so much great golf that Rory has played since then, is just truly unbelievable. But, you know, we kind of hit the nail on the head last week, guys. We talked about driving and we look back on really the, the three worst years of Rory's career when we look back on it were the three years that he didn't gain more than a stroke off the tee. And we look on it, gained, like Sam said, 1.37 this week. The only other person, I believe, in the field to uh, lead over him was Ricky, I believe. Actually, no, uh, yes, uh, Ricky was 1.38 to Rory's 1.37. Ricky actually gained 2.25 strokes this week, guys. T to green. Rory only gained 1.18 because of that horrible approach to green. So that's pretty, pretty telling stat there. But I mean, you go back and look on, and so Rory got off to a pretty slow start, guys. If we remember, he was only, I say, only nine under through uh, two rounds, but that was getting absolutely lapped in this field. And you look at uh, round one, he gained 0.85. Uh, round two, 1.23. Uh, round three, where he shot 10 under, he gained 2.51 off of the tee box. And then .88 yesterday, but he gained 1.47 chipping. So, I mean, guys, I think that we kind of hit the nail on the head, even though Rory's putter kind of bailed him out this week with 1.51 strokes putting uh, with to the .91 approach. But if he's going to be gaining 1.37 strokes tee to grant, or um, off the tee for the rest of the year, I think he's going to win at least five times. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, if he's that good off the tee, then he's going to put himself in contention in so many tournaments uh, that he's bound to win several of them, and he's already got one in October, so he's off to a good start. But I think the biggest single shot of the entire tournament. So yesterday, Cowboys-Patriots was on yesterday afternoon. We were at a friend's house watching that, so I had the golf on my phone. So was but, Baker and Kyler. So yep. I was kind of well, updating Baker, people Baker on Baker and Kyler Twitter. was over at the eight-minute mark of the first quarter. So <laughs> Yeah, but like I was I was updating people on, on Twitter what was going on in the golf. We had a yeah. great golf tournament, but I don't think anybody was watching because of the great football we had. I, I was watching on my phone. I did have the yep. volume up on my phone so I could hear it. And the biggest single shot of the entire tournament, to me, was Rory from about 10 feet off the green and about 50 feet away on 14 yesterday for Eagle, runs it up, runs it in, mm -hmm. gives himself at the time what was a three-shot lead over Colin Morikawa and four over Ricky Fowler. Morikawa finishes with an Eagle on 18, so he made Rory earn it and go out and have to close well. Rory closes with four pars after the Eagle, but uh, by the I mean, way, Sam, heck, that putt was nasty. By the way, heck of a call. I can't remember who it was that said it, but they were like, if you want to make it, chip it. If you want to get it close, putt it. <laughs> and, and then he rolls in the putt from off the green. Yes. I can't remember who it was, but that was just an all-time <laughs> announcers jinx right there uh guys i, I want to talk a little bit about summit club do you guys enjoy is that your cup of tea when it's just an absolute birdie fest i mean guys like robert strep finished two no. ninth and, and it's minus and he shoots minus 20 he shot 11 under in the first round the guys like keith mitchell what did he shoot like a 60 or whatever i 
I, it's not my cup of tea, but what you do get from the Summit Club is you realize how good these guys actually are. The Summit Club this week was a perfect storm or, or lack of storm. Uh, you know, for there was no weather, no rough, you know, perfect conditions. It just shows how absolutely great these guys are. I mean, a guy like Colin Morikawa or Taylor Gooch in the final round, they just go out there and shoot a casual 10 under. I mean, it, it's absolutely unbelievable. So, Taylor, if you didn't shoot at least 20 under for four rounds in this tournament, you were not top 10. 19 under for four rounds gets you a solid little T14. So that's a, a stark contrast to what we saw in the European Tour where Fitzpatrick finished six under for four rounds and won the tournament by three. So what did you think of the Summit Club, Taylor? You know, guys, I, I'm not going to be that guy, okay? Because everyone's playing the same course, and, and it's even more so this week than, than, like, for example, any other week because there's no wind. So literally everyone is playing the same course. And if everyone's going to go up and shoot 20-something under, so be it, I think. I think Rory played the best this week, so he deserved to win. I'm not going to say that he played somewhere else that he wouldn't have won. But, I mean, come on. Like you said, Colby, I mean, 20 under got you T9. 19 under uh, got you T14. We're going to look on it. There's a, this is a 77-person field, guys. And there is only uh, three players who shot worse than six under par for four rounds. I mean, and we talk about it all the time. People talk about dialing the ball back in distance and so bad. I'm looking out there and – these fairways look massive to me. And if they're, and even if they are landing in the fairway, they're rolling out to just the first cut, which isn't even that serious. So, I mean, I just don't see why it's that hard to make the freaking fairway smaller. I know I talk about it all the time, but I just feel like that would at least make it to where 20 under or winning, not 25. And the stroke average every day is 66 or whatever it is. It's just, I understand playing an easy course, but there's so many little things that could be done to just make it that much more difficult. And I don't know why the PJ Tour doesn't do those things. I don't know, guys. What do y'all think? So I have a theory. I have a theory that when the, the tour goes somewhere for the first time, they don't want to overdo it on course setup and make it too difficult and, you know, flirt with fair, unfair, all that stuff. So then they just set it up super easy. We saw it at Caves Valley in the playoffs. I mean, Caves Valley in the playoffs was a bomb fest, a birdie fest, wide fairway, soft greens, rolling perfect. And we saw a lot of the same thing at the Summit Club this week. And I think that whenever they go somewhere for the first time, they don't want it to get um, too too hard, too out of control, yeah. and then they end up setting it up maybe a little too I, easy. I think that's the case in some instances, Colby, but I think that oh, we just have it in our head that just because they're playing them, these courses on the PGA Tour – that these courses are hard. Some courses are just easy. Like yeah. I, like yeah. Morikawa said, he knew. Like he's obviously a member there at the Summit Club in Las Vegas, and he said that when he got on property a couple of weeks ago, he knew the scores were going to be just stupid low this week. And I think that some courses are just not as hard as we think that they would be. You know what I mean? Like just because they're playing a PGA Tour event there doesn't necessarily mean that you know it's the hardest course in the world. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of members there and a lot of stuff like that. Uh, shout out to the local guys, by the way. Good week for the local guys. Robert Streb did get to that 20-under number to get himself into the top 10. Abraham Answer one shot back behind the uh, strength of a Saturday 63. Also, a Thursday Albatross for Abe. Shout out to the Albatross for Abe Answer. Victor Hovland finished 18-under, which was good for T18 in this field for Victor Hovland. Uh, Taylor Gooch, Sunday 62, holds it out from 94 yards on 18. Beautiful Sunday 62 for Gooch to get up to T5. So in three starts now this year in Napa, uh, and then the last couple weeks in Vegas, he's gone 4th, 11th, and 5th in his three starts this year. Taylor Gooch off to a flaming start to the season. And then, boys, 
For the first time since the PGA Championship, Ricky Fowler is in the top 10. Not only is he in the top 10, he is in the top 3. 66, 66, 63, 71 for Ricky Fowler. Taylor, let's get your thoughts first on Ricky. His strokes gained off the tee. He went and saw Butch last week, apparently, to just, quote-unquote, confirm what he's been working on. You know, we're never going to know the full story behind what all goes on in those uh, confirmation meetings. But Ricky got to feel that feeling in his hands on a Sunday with a chance to win a golf tournament for the first time in a long time. Uh, and this should be something he can build on. Yeah, confirmation meeting. What a great term for getting a lesson that is. That's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely going to be a, a consulting term going forward. So, I mean, guys, I, I look on it and I just see so much streakiness from Ricky. So you look at it on the first day. Uh, I'll, I'll just go to his putting. Just for instance, Ricky on the first day lost more than a stroke putting, gained more than a stroke on the second round, gained 1.38 on on Saturday, and then yesterday, guys, minus 2.67. I mean, you got to be kidding. That is absolutely atrocious. You can tell that he had a little bit of nerves going on there. And then you go back and look on it. We talked about how well he was off the tee, but yesterday, guys, he lost uh, almost 1.5 approach to green. I mean, you got the lead going into Sunday, and you're going to play that bad, especially on Saturday. He gained 1.91 approach to green. I-, I watched the majority of that round. He was playing really good. But then you also go back to Friday, guys. He lost uh, 1.2 approach to so, and then on Thursday, he gained 2.02. So, I mean, there's, he, for the week, he averaged 0.31 because each round he either gained two strokes or he lost two strokes. I mean, to have that much inconsistency is just absurd, guys. And that's, it goes to show that he lost by three strokes and he could have easily won this tournament by three strokes. I mean, that, that's just how close Ricky is. But it's, it's such a fine line. I just don't know if he's going to be able to – or I think that he will. I just don't know how long it'll take him to get over that hurdle to get a win. I think it'll take him a decent while, probably sort of like a speed instance. Yeah, and, and Sam, I mean, I think that there were nerves yesterday. I think we could see that there were nerves yesterday for Ricky. I mean, the reality is he hasn't been in this situation in a long time. Yes, he topped 10 at the PGA. He didn't have a chance to win that golf tournament. And all the all the talk, all the conversation around his game, you know, will he be able to get back, fall into to 125 in the world rankings? I think that he was putting a lot of pressure on himself yesterday to hold that 54-hole lead. And as we saw last year on the PGA Tour, those 54-hole leads last year only held up like a fifth of the time. They're hard to hold. He hadn't held one in a long time, and it looked like it yesterday. Well, and especially at a tournament like this where everyone is going so low, um, you know, it it's tough to play with the lead, especially when guys are making birdies behind you because you have to play – like you're behind, even though you're in the lead, you can't play defensive. And I think that, you know, a little bit yesterday, he played some defensive golf. And obviously, you can't make the huge mistake like he made on six and end up making a double bogey on a par five that essentially took him out of the tournament. But, you know, Ricky Fowler shoots one under uh, on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, no one in the top. 15, I'm looking right now, other than Abe Answer. Abe Answer and Ricky Fowler uh, were the only guys uh, to shoot one under uh, or worse in the top 14, tied for 14th. So basically, what you're seeing there is everyone behind them were just freewheeling it and, and they were playing with a little bit of nerves on their back. And, you know, no matter how good you are, those nerves are still going to come into play on Sunday. But I think that I saw a lot of things that I love from Ricky Fowler. By the way, when I was reading the article about him going to visit Butch Harmon, did you guys realize that Butch Harmon is 78 years old? Yes. I did not realize Oh, my that. God. I did not. I, I, I don't know that I would have guessed I, I 78, no but I think I probably would have guessed 75. Because because I know that, that Claude, yeah. Claude's kind of getting up there a yeah. little bit. I mean, Claude's getting you know into his middle age and a little bit older, so I knew that Butch was probably in his 70s. I don't know if I'd have guessed that he was 
quite that close to 80. But but for you Ricky Fowler fans out there, it, it has to be really encouraging to you guys that Ricky Fowler actually hit the ball great this week, and what cost him was the putter. And so, you know, for the most part, other than number six yesterday, what cost him uh, this win was the putter. And so that's honestly for Ricky Fowler, I think will be the easiest thing for him to fix, hopefully. And and the fact that we see him striking the ball better uh, is a huge plus for Ricky Fowler. And I know I've been extremely hard on Ricky Fowler in the past, but, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, he looks to be playing some great golf leading into next season. Yeah, Taylor, let me ask you a question. Do you think that we put too much stock into 54-hole leads because of what we watched Tiger do for 15 years? Because, I mean, that's three-fourths of the way through the tournament. If a, if a football team's up by a field goal after three quarters, we don't assume that they're going to win the game. If, if a basketball team is up by six points after three quarters, we don't assume that they're going to win the game. But a guy holds a 54-hole lead, and we're like, okay, just go out and win the tournament. It's only three-fourths of the way done. Taylor, do you think we put too much stock into 54-hole leads with that much golf still remaining? Well, I, I think Tiger definitely mis, misled the stat for sure, especially for, for uh, people our age. But also, think about this aspect, guys. All these other sports that we talk about, even an in individual sport like tennis, if someone, if you're going to get beat with a lead, only one team or one player is going to beat you. In golf, you have 75 people, or I guess realistically maybe 20 to 25 people, depending on the lead, who could go out and shoot a low number and just beat you, simply, if you don't play good. And it's, I think that's really the main difference, guys, just that there's so many great players now that, I mean, as we saw yesterday, I know this course is easy, but Colin Morikawa, top five player in the world, goes out and shoots 10 under and makes a run at it. I don't remember seeing a shot Morikawa hit uh, Thursday through Saturday. And next thing you know, he just goes all the way up and finishes solo second. So I, you can just come out of nowhere. I just I think that Tiger misled it a lot because he was able to get out in front and lead. But also, too, guys, when you have when you have more darts to throw at a dartboard, you have a better chance at the bullseye. And I, I really think that that's just where we're at with golf. How great these players are now and especially on an easy course like this and I think that's something that we've seen where you think it's the opposite of and I think an easier course allows um, for a player to not hold a 54 hole lead because if they're playing a harder course where there's a lot of wind or something like that you can play safer middle of the green make par and people can't come out and chase you but a course like this I mean if you don't go out and shoot five under every round which it doesn't matter if you're playing a, a 5,000 yard golf course shooting under par isn't isn't easy to do no matter what your skill level is so going out there and having nerves with, with three shot lead like ricky did i think i think she tells a lot but also whenever you got here's another factor guys i didn't even talk about the the purses are so much more now for winning and getting over 1.5 million for some of these tournaments i mean then and the difference between finishing second and first can be six hundred thousand dollars i mean to think that that doesn't come into play a little bit i mean you have to be foolish to think that yeah, absolutely. That definitely uh, plays a factor, and the fields are just so deep, and there's so many guys who can just put together that one elite round. I mean, that 8, 9, 10 under par, just that elite round. Speaking of elite, why don't everybody go out and get yourself a clubby, a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma Staple, the club special, the official seltzer of slicing limes, not swings. They've got the lemon and lime natural flavoring. flavoring. That is in the classic clubby. They've also got the missile, which has a little bit of a grape twist to it, and it is fantastic. Perfect for a hot day on or off the golf course, specifically formulated for golfers of every handicap. Make shooting anything over 110 bearable, the freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one seltzer in golf. Boys, so I think that Ricky Fowler may have been motivated by watching the Ryder Cup and not being a part of it this year. And I think that, obviously, Rory has talked about being motivated by losing the Ryder Cup. I was surprised to hear that Rory McIlroy has never started off his season with a win. 
and it's a, really and it's interest. It's interesting to me that Rick uh, that uh, Rory McIlroy starts his season off with a win right after that emotion that we saw from him after the Ryder Cup. Who's got? I was looking at our season long draft to see who's got Rory because I I think we're all. You don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but we know what Rory's capable of. We yeah. know on the high end, when his game is clicking, he's one of the absolute very best in the world. I got him with my third pick. Uh, no, you did not get him with your third pick. You got him with your fourth pick. Fourth pick. You went Morikawa, Bryson, Brooks, and then Rory. Taylor, did yep. we make a mistake? Did we make a huge mistake was, letting Sam get Rory in the fourth round? Well, I thought I was real. I thought I had struck a, a gold nugget because I was supposed to get Bryson and, and Rory for Ron. <laughs> Vetoed. I, I think I'm going to veto the veto and see if I can get both of them. <laughs> veto the veto. That would that would have been a great trade uh, for the Taylor side of things. Well, speaking of money, T Dub, you were talking about the money difference, uh, and we saw a crazy scenario on 18 yesterday uh, with Sung Young Lee, right? Kim or Sung Kim? Kim. Sung Young Kim and. And he lipped out, had a horseshoe lip out, and the ball sat on the front lip. It is, does horseshoe lip out even justify how bad this was? It was, yeah, it was one of the worst lip outs you've ever seen. I think it was more than 360. I think it was like a 420. But it went in. It was a lip in. It it sat on the lip for like 30 seconds. If you want to like, see the video of it, you can go to the 73rd Hold Twitter account. But yeah, it sat on it, it sat on the front lip. It lipped all the way around the right side, sat on the front lip, and... My whole deal is, so basically, you know, the ball goes in right when he finally addresses the ball. He takes off his hat, signs the scorecard, but then later they give him a one, give him an extra one shot because later they determined that it was after 10 seconds. And I know that 10 seconds is the rule. However, what I don't understand about that rule is you can't hit a moving golf ball. And clearly the ball was moving. So... I don't understand why you cost the guy 24000 if the ball is moving. It's one of those golf rules that's way down in the weeds. Taylor, what do you think of the whole situation? It's it's just another example of why the golf rules are, are dumb and stupid. I mean, I, I, I sent it to our group text yesterday. I said, the rules of golf be like, you know, how can we piss people off and be dumb today? And that's kind of exactly what to do. So one of the things that they changed with new rules, guys, was if, if your ball moves, whenever you address it or whenever you don't address it, whatever, you just play it from where it goes to. And it's he never addressed the ball. So it, here's the rule. Rule nine in USGA. If the player's ball comes to rest and is then moved by natural forces such as wind or water, the player normally must play it from its new spot. And then it says if a ball at rest is lifted or moved by anyone or any outside influence before the stroke is made, the ball must be placed from its original spot. So is gravity not a natural force? Is not the most natural force in the world? what is more natural than gravity? And that's what made the ball go in. Nothing else made the ball go in. Or if it was, it was wind or whatever. You play the ball from the new spot. Well, he can't play the ball from the hole, so the ball, it should count. I don't, he never struck the ball. It should not be a stroke. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And it's just another example of why I just don't know. Do they just, does USGA and RNA, do they just sit in a dark room and say, what can we do to be idiots? I mean, and let's just make it so confusing to where people don't want to play golf. It, it, It should be so simple. You don't I, hit the ball. The ball goes in. It I totally agree, T-Dub, and I don't understand. Uh, first of all, the new rule where if you address the ball and the ball moves, it's not your fault now, too. So, like, correct? Am I am I misinterpreting that, T-Dub? Yes. Uh, if a ball at rest and moves or is, is moved by anyone outside force or so the stroke is made, the ball is replaced in its original spot, and that's without penalty. That's that's the main difference. That's, that's I think the on, the, on, the greens, the US Open. on the greens now, I think you might even – if you accidentally hit it, you're allowed to put it back as well. 
Yes, you put it back with no penalty. Yes, yeah. that was the difference. Okay, but you but, just have to put it back with a stroke penalty. But he didn't make contact with the ball. He didn't cause this ball to move. He had barely even set his like he never even grounded the putter. And so my point is, when does the ten seconds start? Like, if the ball is clearly still moving enough for it to drop in the hole, when are you allowed to hit the ball? And how could he have not gotten a penalty if he would have tapped it in for hitting a moving ball? It's it's to me one of the most subjective rules in golf, Taylor, because if the ball is, like, half oscillating and there's just some dude in a tent that's staring at it and he's like, well, uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but the time was expired, that's a penalty. Or, or maybe you have a different guy in the tent that day who's like, yeah, I can see how it's still moving, no penalty. It's, you know, they, they try to make the rules of golf as concrete as possible to where there's as little gray area as possible, but Sam, and, you, you and got something just else. Just what pisses me off about it is he would have had a top 25 finish, but instead finishes tied for 32nd and it costs him $24,000 and it's not like it's, you know, a Ricky Fowler Rory McIlroy, it's a Sung Hung Kim. Right. And and he hasn't, you know, broken through on tour or anything like that. He had his probably best week on tour ever. I'm not positive of that, but one of his best weeks on tour ever. And you're going to cost the guy $24,000 for a putt that he legitimately made? Yeah, Taylor, final thoughts on this before we take a quick break. Yeah, I just think that whenever you just, like I mentioned, you talk about the rules of golf and how, how dumb it is. I don't see why they have to, to keep it like this. And so, for example, you talked about earlier with, with the rule, it's it's essentially you have a reasonable amount of time to get to your ball, and then it's 10 seconds from there. So you think about it, right? If you have a four-footer like Mr. Kim had, you don't have that much time to get to your ball because it's four feet away from the hole. But if you hit a 100-yard shot, you have a 100 yards of walking time to get up there, so a couple minutes. So if you hit a 100-yard shot and it's hanging on the lip and you're walking up and you're almost to the green, you see it fall, it's going to count. You do the same thing on a putt. It could be hanging on the lip for less time, but you're just sitting there like Mr. Kim was. It falls right. in. Somehow, right. that's an extra stroke. But I, T-Dot, did the, no, ball, it's, it's, the ball never came to rest, though, is my point. There's no wind out there. So it was clearly moving the whole time. So, like, when does the 10 seconds – who cares if he's to his ball yet? The ball's still moving. I, I couldn't agree more, Sam. I mean, you have to – with the modern technology, we got 4K, 8K, 20, whatever, how many K – TV we have now you can zoom in and look at the exact dimple and if it's isolating or not so I mean I mean I, whenever you zoom in on it you can kind of see it wiggling so I mean it's I don't know if it's definitive that the ball is moving but it's pretty damn close and it, it's definitely how is it not definitive there. that the like ball is moving it fell in the hole well what I'm saying is there's not one point that the ball didn't stop because grass is a weird phenomenon and if, have y'all ever heard that like if your ball's on the lip you can put your shadow over the ball and the grass yeah, lays down right, and the ball yeah. falls in yeah, so, so I mean, that, that's an example because grass is a, a moving surface. So that's, that's kind of what I'm referring to I there. But, saying. yes, I, I, completely, I completely agree that uh, – I, I mean, are, are we – is anyone – if anyone wants to say that that should have been a stroke penalty or that shouldn't have counted, come at us on social media because I really want to know your side because I just don't understand why, how, why the rule is the way it is. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, that's at the 73rd hole on Twitter, 73rd hole on Instagram. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. We've got a treat for you on the other side. Bob Winskowitz, the CEO and founder of Squares Golf Shoes, is going to join us, talk a little bit about Squares, how it came to be. He's going to talk some Arnold Palmer with us, probably some Nick Faldo, John Daly, a little Major Ed as well. Bob Winskowitz, great guy, CEO of Squares Golf Shoes, coming up after the break. We will also talk, uh, I've got one more thing that I want to complain about and get y'all's thoughts about that 
that took place yesterday, just about golf kind of hating itself uh, in the way that it presents itself to its fans. I want to talk about that. We'll update you on what took place at Big 12 Match Play this week, and we'll get you out of here on a Monday. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Sam Humphreys, as always. Taylor Williams is in Missouri today. You can hear his voice in our first segment there before the break. Uh, So we let Taylor go while we talk to Bob Winskowitz here, and we'll bring him back on after we finish talking to Bob. But we wanted to get Bob on. We talked to Major Ed a couple of weeks ago and just raved about Squares and about uh, Bob Winskowitz, who is the CEO and founder of Squares Golf Shoes. So without further ado, let's welcome Bob to the 73rd hole. Bob, we appreciate you taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. We're uh, kind of curious to hear your story here, reading up a little bit about you, seeing your commercials on the Golf Channel, Nick Faldo, all that good stuff, your partnership with John Daly, and then Major Ed, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, was telling us about you and said, you got to talk to this guy. Uh, so we wanted to reach out, and I'm just kind of curious about your journey through the golf industry, because I know that that didn't start with Square. So kind of talk to us a little bit about your background with golf, and then how that led you to Squares and where you are now yeah so i started in the industry back in the early 90s uh working for mcgregor golf and i worked there for a number of years and uh had some great products and they've just got such a rich club history you know with it forged and so it was really a pleasure to work there then uh then i went and i took the job of a lifetime i was executive vice president of sales marketing for arnold palmer so i ran arnold's golf company and had the uh the pleasure of interacting with him on a quarterly basis, and uh, as you can imagine, that was uh, that was a bucket list type of thing. So uh, uh, that that was uh, that was one of the things that I look back on and say that had an influence on a, a lot of things I've done in my career since. Uh, and and one of the things that Arnold used to say to us all the time when we presented a product to him is that look, he'd, he'd sit back and go, "What's in it for the golfer?" How does that help a golfer? How does that help him play better? Uh, he wasn't into the window dressing. He wasn't into the uh, the big marketing pitches. He was into the proof, not the promise. And uh, that kind of shaped a lot of what I've done today. 
Yeah, that's really impressive. Um, you know, obviously Nick Faldo and John Daly uh, are two guys who really endorse Square's shoes, and I think it's interesting because they both say that Square's shoes helps their golf game, but they have completely different swings. Uh, and so I think that's a testament to you guys that you guys found a product that works for every type of swing. How did you guys get hooked up with Nick Faldo and John Daly? And maybe tell me a couple stories about them too. Yeah, uh, the Nick Faldo was quite a story. Uh, one day my phone rang and I didn't notice the number and I usually don't pick them up, but for whatever reason I picked it up and uh, on the other end of the phone was uh, Jeremy Eisenberg, who was Nick Faldo's agent at the time and said, hey Bob, um, I'd like to get a couple pairs of shoes to Sir Nick Faldo. Now, I thought it was one of my friends breaking my chops and, uh, and so, you know, somebody played a prank on me. So sure enough, uh, I ended up sending over some shoes and about a month later, I get a call from him saying, Hey, do you get some time this afternoon for a zoom call with Sir Nick? And, uh, of course that, uh, that was the case. So I, uh, I get on the phone with Sir Nick and a zoom call and, and he says to me, Bob, tell me a little about the shoes. I gave him the background. He leans back in his chair, folds his arm. And he said, I never would have believed that a golf shoe that a literal golf can help you play better golf. And he said, I love them. How do I get involved? It was like a dream come true. It's something out of, uh, you know, out of a movie. And for the most part, the same thing happened with, with John. Um, I actually met John through Major Ed. And um, I had sent Major Ed some shoes. And, um, and he said, listen, would you mind if I uh, get a pair for John Daly? And I said, geez, growing up, he was my hero. He's the... Uh, Anybody that's watched the, go the game of golf over the last 30 years knows that, uh, you know, he invented the long ball. He was the, gr the original grip it and rip it guy that everybody wanted to see him get on the tee and belt it. And uh, so we sent him some shoes. And uh, again, the next thing I know is my phone rings and it's John Daly, you know, one of my, you know, kind of uh, probably one of my more favorite golfers out there. And, and he says, uh, he goes, Bob, listen, I, I, I love these shoes. We got to do a deal. And uh, that's how it all began. That is uh, pretty awesome. So you've met some great people in the game of golf. I'm curious, just circling back to Arnold Palmer, um, I mean, obviously just one of the all-time greats of the game, greatly missed in the game of golf. What's a good Arnold Palmer story that you can tell? Obviously, you talk about, you know, he's not into the window dressing. He wants the performance. How can it help the golfer? But what's a good Arnold Palmer story that you can tell from your days with him? You know, the one that, uh, there's a couple that stand out, uh, for me anyway, um, just kind of on a more personal, I was, I was at Augusta, and uh, I think it was the last time that Arnold played there. <clears throat> and I was standing on the 10th tee box as he rounded, uh, rounded nine, came up there, and and standing on the 10th tee waiting for the fairway to clear. I'm, I'm standing there, and he looks at me, and I look at him, he goes, Bob, how you doing? And I said, good, boss, how you doing? He says, not so good today, not hitting it well. Now, everybody on the tee box is looking at Arnold Palmer. I, I pin my shoulders back, and I'm strutting down the fairway, you know, like, uh, yeah, that was Arnold that said hi to me, you know. But uh, that was probably one of my favorite. But uh, what, one of the stories, too, that, uh, that he was uh, – he was really known for is uh, I'll never forget that I was at a tournament that uh, he was playing in. Somebody hit a ball off and there's a bunch of kids standing around. Arnold went and started talking to some of the other players. Next thing you know, they unload some golf gloves. Arnold signs them, walks over the kids and hands them to the kids. Really doesn't say much to him, just hands them to him. 
but that's the kind of guy he is. He didn't, uh, you know, he just looked to, to, to be nice and to be kind. And he was just such a generous, solid guy. And, uh, you know, there's other stories I could tell you sitting in the, in the boardroom or the dinner before and after that, uh, you know, uh, a lot more fun, but, uh, but he was quite a, quite a guy. He's everything. I think everybody thinks he is. No doubt. Absolutely. Absolute legend in the game. Now, Bob, tell me how you came up with the idea uh, for the square toe golf shoe. And, you know, did you know it was going to be big right when you thought of it? And just tell me the story of the origin of squares. You know, I put it this way. I hoped it would be as, as, as good as it is today. I did. I, I hoped it would be, you know, golf is a very tough industry to break into given this, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an oligopoly. You know, there's four or five guys that occupy, you know, 80, 80 plus percent market share in pretty much every aspect of golf, you know, whether it's clubs, balls and, and shoes. So I knew it wouldn't be easy, but the one thing that I've seen in the game of golf throughout my career is that if you've got something that's different, something that, that, that has got different performance attributes, something that actually can provide the golfer with discernible, discernible advantages, then, then I think you've got a really good shot. And then when you surround yourself with, with people that, that have got such a great reputation, uh, like a, a Jim McClain, a Rick Smith, and a, and a, and a Sir Nick Faldo saying, listen, this is the best golf shoe there ever was, uh, and here's why. Um, you know, we had the making for success, but Again, there's still a lot of blocking and tackling you've got to do in the game of golf to get a product out there and to get people to try it. So, you know, we looked at, I did early on, on golf shoes. And I used to tell everybody after the, the launch of Echo in 2009, I said, man, that, you know, from a science perspective, that, that lightweight sneaker-like shoe, it's any, any engineer, any designer game knows that's probably one of the worst things you can wear on the golf course. And, and back in footwear design, there's something we call, if you can twist it, you can hold it by the heel and the toe, twist it, toss it, get rid of it, throw it away. It's not for golf. It's not for your golf swing. And we've done extensive testing, and I can show you how it's actually hurting people's game. Not even close to helping, but hurting. So I looked at that, and I did a lot of research, and, you know, it's interesting. Since the 1800s, when golf shoes were invented, other than in 1890 when they put cleats in it, I don't think anybody can point to any place on a golf shoe that manufacturers has added anything that helps you play better golf. And, and, and you can't do it. And golf footwear hasn't kept pace with golf clubs. I mean, golf clubs today have pretty much innovated themselves to a commodity. And golf shoes have been stagnant. There's nothing you can point to that helps you play better golf. So we started looking at all of the biomechanics and what the feet need, and hence the square toe came out. I mean, that was a revelation that was like, hey, your toes can sit naturally. If your toes can sit naturally, it takes the stress off your ankle. It will give you better, better, better balance and stability. And without balance in any sport you can think of, without balance, you got nothing. So balance and stability was the really the dominant. Uh, feature and benefit that, uh, or the benefit that we saw, well then, because we start with a square toe, we were able to widen the base under the ball of your foot wider than any other golf shoe, but it doesn't look it. If you did this with, say, a rounded toe shoe, it looked like a, it looked like a clown shoe. But with us, it looks symmetrical. Why? Because we start with a square toe, we widen the base, again, better balance, better stability, 
It cuts down on sway. But the most important thing is ground connection. Distance, distance, people. I love to hear people talk about distance. Distance comes from swing speed. Can a golf club create swing speed? No. Can a golf ball create swing speed? No. You create swing speed, and the club is like the lightning rod. It is the, it is the recipient of the swing speed. And think about it. Your hands are moving at 14 miles an hour, yet the club head is moving at about 95, 100 miles an hour. So you generate that swing speed for you, for your, with your connection from the ground. So it is your feet. And I tell people this all the time. I believe that your golf shoe is more important than the club you're swinging. I can put any club in your hand and you'll be within two or three yards distance. But if I can change your shoes out, I can get you more distance. So it's that ground connection. So with a wider base, the square toe, when you flip that shoe over, there's more coverage, surface ground coverage, better than any other golf shoe. So that means a better energy exchange with the ground, a more efficient energy exchange, which definitively, and we've tested it, we've had independent tests, it means more distance, more swing speed. So that's what the shoe is all about. It's comfort, balance, stability, and distance. And it's, it's proven. No doubt. I mean, I played competitive golf for many years, and I always struggled to find a great golf shoe because the comfy ones didn't have spikes, you know, and the icons, they look good, but they give you blisters. And then, um, you know, some other shoes that, that I did end up wearing were too heavy for me, you know, especially walking 36, especially in college tournaments. So it seems like Square Shoes took all of that information together uh, and kind of, you know, put it into one shoe, which is really impressive. Plus the, the wide foot. I have a wide foot, so it seems like the uh, Square Toe be good for me as well absolutely for sure you know and a lot of people try to buy an extra size you know if they're a true size 11 they try to get into an 11 and a half just to get more room in that the forefoot with us it's inherent within the shoe so again that that will translate into significant more comfort for uh, for every type of golfer so uh, bob i was reading an interview that you did with golf today where you were asked how long it took to get from prototypes to mass production on the market uh and you answered that it was seven years what was taking place for seven years as you started this got it launched and got it going and and did you see it reaching the point that it that it's reached yeah so so i filed the patent back actually in 2011 and 2012 and I, I, we started doing cash molds and things like this, and, and uh, we were after we were after this balance, stability, and ground force. And, and I really believe that uh, we could build a shoe that helps people play better and get more distance. So it was those years that took for all of the research of swing monitors and pressure mapping and, and biomechanics and the right people to, to give me the definitive thing. And we had to do, we had to do a, a lot of adjusting. And we you know, I tell people all the time when, when Ely Calloway went out for the, and, and tried to find perimeter weighting in a driver and, and uh, Carson Solheim did the same thing in, a, in an iron, you know, they were looking for perimeter weighting when they got done. That club, the Big Bertha, looked the way it did because that's the way at the time perimeter weighting looked. And, and so when I got done and that square toe was there, that's the way that the balance, stability, and energy exchange looked. So... You know, we, we worked on that for a number of years and finally started prototyping and put it out there doing testing. And we hired a guy from uh, BodyTrack, the co-founder of BodyTrack, which is the number one pressure mapping system in the world. And we sent them shoes of all, all competitive shoes and had them test every one of them. 
and, and, and it was proven, and he was amazed. He was absolutely amazed. Not one shoe beat us in any category, and that is you know, uh, distance, swing speed, balance at neutral position at, at the three, three, uh, three important points in the swing, address, the top, and then at, at ball strike. So there were so many things. And so here we are today, and, you know, it is, it is going very, very well. I'm very pleased with the success with Sol's, um you know, tens of thousands of shoes now, and and the best marketing you can have out there is people wearing them. And you know, it's funny when you get on a tee box and you're playing amongst a group you've never met before, and guy pulls out the new Apex or the, you know, the new Epic um, jailbreak uh, driver. People, oh, how do you like that driver? How many times does somebody say, hey, what about those shoes? Uh, you know, so now because the different looks and people are saying, hey, what about those shoes? And you know, people say, hey, look, they're the real deal. You know, they're comfortable and uh, and they perform. So so things are going quite well. And, uh, you know, we have a 30-day money-back policy that you can try the shoes, wear them out there. I don't think there's any other company that does that. You can go wear them. And if it doesn't do everything I say it does, uh, you can send them back. So uh, it's a pretty good program that uh, backs up what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Bob Winskowitz, CEO of Squares Golf Shoes, joining us here on the 73rd hole. And, uh, Bob, I was curious. You know, I mentioned we had Major Ed on a couple of weeks ago, told us to get in touch with you. Major Ed's great guy, great character. Uh, how do you and Major Ed know each other? Have y'all played some golf together? And uh, what's a good Major Ed story maybe you can tell us? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. You, you know, that guy is just, uh, to be around that guy is truly a, it's a blessing. And, uh, you get so much energy, you know, the guy, when you're around him, you think he never had a bad day in his life and he lost his leg serving the country, you know, and, uh, and, and he's just, uh, he's so passionate, passionate behind the charity, the heart of Alliance, uh, JDME charity, because, you know, they serve St. Jude's hospital. They serve, you know, boys and girls clubs. And, and of course the veterans. And, uh, when you're around him has just positive nature and, this kind of general outlook of helping people is, is contagious. So, you know, um, he, he, uh, I, I was with him about a month ago, a month and a half ago. We did an event here in New Hampshire with, um, Lee Bryce and we got up and we auctioned off guitars, uh, four guitars signed by Lee Bryce and Major Ed got up on the, on the stage and he gets up there and, and he first words out of his mouth is it's a great day to be American. And, uh, <laughs> You know, he got the crowd, the crowd was chanting USA, USA, and it was just so overwhelming. And, uh, you know, we generated, I think it was about $30,000 that night for, uh, for his charity and for veterans. So, uh, you know, it, it really is a pleasure to be associated with him. And by the way, we have two shoes, one called America Soul, the other one called Country Soul. And for every pair of soul, we donate a portion of the sales to, uh, to, to Major Ed's charity. And uh, for those of you out there would just launched the pink shoe, um, it's a men's pink and it's a women's, women's pink in partnership with American Cancer Society uh, to bring education to breast cancer. And again, every uh, pair sold of the pink shoes, um, we donate a portion of the sales to, to American Cancer Society. That's absolutely awesome. As a cancer survivor myself, I absolutely love to hear that. Bob, you know, at the end of the show with new guests, we love to ask what are your top maybe three courses and what's your dream foursome? My dream foursome, my dream foursome would be, I would say Tiger Woods, 
Nick Faldo. Uh, I would go Greg Norman and myself. I, I love, would that. love that. That would be that would be my dream portion. And then may, maybe three courses that you've played that you just absolutely love. I would say the three top three courses I played was the Country Club here in uh, in Massachusetts, um, my home course Salem. I mean Ipswich Country Club, and then the Salem Country Club right down the street. But I would add in there too. Uh, I would say probably Pebble Beach. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a great list. So I've got to ask now, I've got to follow up. The Country Club in Massachusetts hosting the U.S. Open next year. Give us kind of yeah. a, a, a quick course preview, if you will, if that's a place that you know, because uh, most of us in this part of the country don't know a ton about it. You know what? It's, uh, how do I say it? It's, the, the course is tough because when they let the, the rough grow, I mean, it is just brutal and uh it 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 they can they can tighten the fairways the greens are tough uh it it's um you know they change the course around a little for the open they change a couple of holes up but it's uh you know it's a real good test of golf if you recall the Ryder cup they had there many years ago uh you know it, it was showing its uh its teeth but it's you know, tee to green, it's a, it's a challenge. You've got to put the ball in the fairway, and, and you've got to be in the right place on the green, you know. And, and the way they roll those greens, it's, it's like uh, putting on the hood of your car. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's a challenge, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a 10 handicap, and I don't think I broke 100 there. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a tough sport. It sounds like an absolute beast. Can't wait to see it next summer. Bob, you've been great. We look forward to trying your shoes. Uh, you're welcome here on the 73rd hole anytime. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Once again, that was Bob Wentzkowitz joining us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. He is the CEO and founder of Squares Golf Shoes. Uh, give it a Google. Squares. S-Q-A-I-R-Z. Squares Golf Shoes. Uh, we might have something exciting coming up in the future on that front as well, so stay tuned for that here on the podcast as well as on social media, Twitter at the 73rd hole and Instagram 73rd hole. Really appreciate Bob taking some time for us today. Fellas, I've got one other complaint from yesterday, and it is a big complaint. It is a huge okay. complaint. I want to know why golf hates its fans more than any other sport. Yesterday, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler paired together in the final group of a PGA Tour event with a purse of almost $10 million. Their tee time, central time, was one fifty. The first two hours and ten minutes of the round were not viewable anywhere. Coverage started at four o'clock Central Time. They teed off at one fifty. Two hours and ten minutes. Ricky and Rory in the final group, and we can't watch. You didn't want to watch the mechanic and Lee Jansen battle it out. We can't watch. Why can't we watch? Why can't we watch? Is that what was on the golf channel? The championship tournament. Yes. Yep. I just... you got to be kidding me. I, I was trying to find it yesterday. Hey, Lee Jansen made a clutch putt on the mechanic. I did, shout out Lee Jansen. <laughs> but when I tell you that my head almost exploded, I get home from the golf course yesterday at like 145. I'm like perfect timing. I can have football on one screen. I can have golf on the other screen. Perfect timing. And I'm looking for the golf and... Boys, I'm about to have a panic attack. I can't find it anywhere. So I go to Twitter and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm like... 
I can't find it anywhere because it's not on for another two hours and ten minutes. It didn't come on until four o'clock. I'll say this in in defense of uh, of of NBC and the PGA Tour. How could they have predicted that there would be you know a really good final pairing in a limited field big money event with twenty four of the top thirty players in the world? There, I, Taylor, I, I know. <laughs> I know you're in Missouri. Y'all are doing things. I don't know how how dialed in you were to the coverage yesterday. But when I found out that the first two hours and ten minutes were not going to be on air, I I almost had a panic attack in my living room. And it, it's probably a good thing I had some family obligations in the morning because I, I probably would have broken something at at the in laws' house, and that would not have been very very fun at all. But I mean, how absurd is that, guys? I mean, what's the simple answer? TV contracts? Is that? The, the contract with the Champions Tour, uh, is that why they have to do it? I guess. The answer is, it normally is on CBS or NBC, but they're running football. M- so, NBC wasn't running football, though. The, they were the, the about NBC to. and CBS won't have golf on until the start of the year, probably until February, actually. Yeah, but, but their football night in America comes on, and it would have been during the golf, so they would have had to switch it back to the golf channel. Call me crazy, and, and this is no shot at Lee Jansen and the mechanic. <laughs> Call me crazy. But I think golf fans worldwide really would have liked to have watched Rory and Ricky yesterday on that front nine. I mean, Ricky, 54-hole lead, Rory. And and again, it's not like this was a strength of field of 88 and you just so happen to have the two best players in the field in, in the final group. This was a 613 strength of field, limited field, big money, $9.5 million purse, million and a half to the winner, and we don't get the first two hours and 10 minutes. I just I just needed to yell at the world for that because it really it really caused a hitch in my Sunday. Almost as big of a hitch as uh, losing the MGA Cup as the captain caused. Oh, how was that this uh, weekend, Colby? So, oh, you lost as the captain. So, oh, no. So it was it was a lot of fun. We had the, the draft and the pairings party on Thursday night. The draft is like... It's How'd like, the draft go? Okay, so it's it very much has like an elementary school dodgeball feel. It's all 24 <laughs> guys who were in the cup Stand were in, in the there. Line. <laughs> all 24 guys who were in the cup were in there. We were sitting at tables in, in a ballroom and... You just we it was a snake draft. You alternated picks, and I mean everybody's sitting there watching you pick them. So you know you throw somebody out, and it's like well, that wasn't my spot. Why why am I not getting picked here? So it was that was a lot of fun getting all the pairings out, pairing with people who with pairing people with who they like and stuff like that. So it was best ball uh, Saturday morning. We lost the best ball session three and a half to two and a half. Alternate shot in the afternoon, and it was true alternate shot. It was not modified. So we split the afternoon session three three. So we're down six and a half to five and a half coming into Sunday singles. Uh, and then we lost Sunday singles by a point and ended up losing by two full points. My strategy yesterday for singles was to pair myself against the best player on the opposing team because I figured, you know, as the captain, if I can go out and take down their best player, that would be a, a really good, uh, you know, just kind of good momentum for my team to be seeing that on the leaderboard throughout the day. <laughs> and when I tell you... That this was a huge mistake. <laughs> boys, 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 boys. This was a huge mistake. Who was it? Uh, so this guy I'd actually never met. His name's Neil Metz. And he is scratch. I'm a four. I was getting four pops. It wasn't nearly enough. This guy, I'm telling you, he's 300 off the tee. I did the math last night. If I'm not misremembering anything, I think he hit 13 fairways at 300 off the tee. And... I putted out of my mind to lose three and two. I mean, I made everything to the point that on we were on the 11th hole, I had 10 feet for par and he had five feet for par. I offered him good, good. 
And it took him about 30 seconds to, to decide no. And then we both made him. Because, I, I mean, I putted out of my mind to lose three and two. But uh, being the losing captain, not great. Losing Sunday singles because you thought you wanted to take on the other team's best player, not great. But all in all, the weekend was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Padre Pal. <laughs> Padre, no, we did not lose nineteen to nine. Um, Taylor, tell me about the scramble down in Chickasha on on Saturday or Friday. Uh, I, oh, I, I got a lot of funny stories to say about that. But but Colby, sounds like you pulled a little Abe answer at the twenty nineteen Presidents Cup. Called out Tiger, and just got that ass. Back. I mean, come on. I, I'll say this. I'll say this. You're not wrong. You're you're not wrong. It was very much a be careful. Like you- yeah, careful what you wish for situation. Well, it just that's another match play scenario. Like you said, you played pretty well and you lost three and two. You probably played anyone else. You probably would have won three. Um, that's just kind of how it works. But, boys, let me tell y'all something. Whatever we got to do for the 73rd hole to get Sam a sponsor to be a long drive contest person, we've got to make it happen. <laughs> this man can make some serious money on the long drive. He will, he will bomb it past Bryson so easily it's not even funny. He's one of the longest players I've ever seen. I'll, just, I'll say this. I don't work Sam, out either. How do you hit it so far? You got to tell us. I swing hard. Swing hard. First off, you need to be a little tall and a little built, which you are both of those things. But I can't remember, Taylor, if it was you or your dad. Somebody sent me a picture of the tee shot that Sam hit on number four at Chickasha Golf and Country Club. Oh, my Lord. And for anybody who's ever played down there, I don't know if you have, it's a par four. I don't know exactly how long it is. I know if it's downwind, I'm usually going driver pitching wedge. If it's into the wind, I'm like driver six iron. Uh, It's uphill. There's trees. It's... And Sam's tee shot was long left of the green on this par four. And <laughs> it I, was downwind. Like. I don't care if it was downwind. I've never seen such a thing in my life. Taylor, what, 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 did y'all win? What happened? No, we lost. No, we did not. We, we, got, we got that ass smack, kind of like you did. We, um, <laughs> we only shot we, 15 we had to go under. Against, we went against uh, the dark Miss Cody Burrows, and he, he lit us up because he's, he's a pro. So We were down uh, early, We did the too. best we could. Yeah, I mean, Darsh, I mean, yeah, we were, Eagle, he we had driver-driver putt on uh, – he went driver-driver putt on what's the long par, fi- par five into the north wind. Number six, yeah. Yep, yep. He so, went driver-driver? Well, well, yeah. Dude, that hole – and that, that was from the red tee box, but we paid up 20 bucks. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was the, the move-up hole. Well, because it's a little cold, I would imagine, but, in the well, morning. Ball wasn't traveling real far. Probably, it was into, like, probably, a 30 mile hour wind. I hit driver three wood into twelve, and I hit both of them good. Oh no! Oh god! That's not that's not a long hole. So that was yeah. a serious north wind going on there. But yeah, exactly. But we had a great time out there. Uh, we got to play with Darren Clark, T Dub. Yeah. So a shout shout out, big perm, Chad German. We we realized that he looks like Darren Clark from about fifteen years ago. Pro- probably not current Darren Clark. He needs to gain about probably a hundred pounds to be be up there. But. Um, but yeah, it was it was a hell of a time. But Sam, I think our biggest problem was our A player, Randy Williams, didn't really play his best. I, I think he was the one that held his back. I know what Randy's problem is. He doesn't have enough hybrids. He hits hybrid on every shot, <laughs> but he needs like a pitching wedge <laughs> hybrid too. Randy needs straight hybrids. Me and Taylor were talking about this. We played Golf Club of Edmond a couple of weeks ago with Randy, and we're like, Randy needs hybrids all the way through like eight iron. <laughs> He stripes the hybrid. <laughs> he does. He flushes it. We'll be like 150 be like, I'm hitting hybrid. 
Dude, he, he's going to be so mad at us for ripping him, but he did make some fun. <laughs> I say. Hey, Randy, Randy was a great player in his day. Randy's still a very good player. Um, he just needs more hybrids so he can get the ball in the air for some of the forced carries. The forced carries are what kill Randy because he doesn't get the ball in the air enough. As uh, as you know, the, the body starts to age a bit. That, that tends to happen. Randy swing, might need some square shoes. Swing speed decreases. Randy might need some square shoes. Up that swing speed a little bit. Oh, there's so. no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, so fun weekend of golf for all of us. An exhausting weekend of golf. It was 36-18 Saturday, Sunday for me. And when I say golf is meant to be played in intervals of 18, I mean it. 36 is just, it's too much. It was nine, ten hour day. It's just, it's too much. Golf's meant to be played in intervals of 18. And we were in carts. I don't know how we ever used to walk 36 every, every other week in high school. We were walking 36. Y'all were doing the same thing in college. That's just, it's a disgusting way to play golf, to walk 36 holes. Did you walk? No. No, oh. we played in a cart, and it was still too much. Yeah. It was still way too much. And afternoon was alternate shot, so we were really <laughs> only play, hitting every other shot, and it was still too much. I was well, exhausted. Tito, how do you get in a rhythm during alternate shot? I feel like that'd be really tough for my game, because I'm a rhythm guy. I think it's, I think it's, it's not almost impossible, because there's always good players, but it's extremely hard to do. I think. An alternate shot, one, you have to be really comfortable with your partner. I think that's something that obviously we saw in the Ryder Cup, I think, plays a big part. Uh, I, we talked about this before. So, Colby, did you have to play uh, the other person's golf ball you weren't allowed, or were you allowed to switch because y'all were playing it up? Uh, we were not playing it up. We played it down in every format all week. So I played the other guy's golf ball. Uh, it was the guy that I played in the member-member 666 tournament with several weeks back. Um, so we already knew that we played the same golf ball. By the so way. We, we were both TP5X, which was which was helpful. T-Dub, by the way, you, you showed me a new golf ball. I think I hit it about 20 yards farther. I, and you had better distance control, it seemed like, too, and you're penetrating the wind, but TP5X, I was playing. Well, it's at least better than the, the 2014 Pro V1 that had the Tulsa logo. <laughs> That's what I was playing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and T-Dub's like, here, just hit this TaylorMade, and I hit bombs with it, dude. It was awesome. I, I might just, be well, switching well, to TaylorMade. Well, how about this? Colby, I gave him that ball, and for anyone who's played there, they'll think this is funny. We're at number six at, <laughs> at Bush or at uh, Golf Club Chick On the second shot is when I had him hit the shot. It's like the narrowest shot on the course. Dead end here, 40 mile an hour win. <laughs> but and it, he didn't lose it. Very impressive. No, but anyways, you know, it, I had a great time out there. Anyone who hasn't gone down there and played uh, the little nine hole at Chickasha, I thought it was awesome. And I finally got to see the little ditch that uh, Colby almost drove the cart into one time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> tell that story off air one day. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, some stories can be told from the golf club at Chickasha, but we'll, we'll we'll keep those to ourselves for now. I don't know if the statute of limitations has expired. Uh, by the way, 36 holes Saturday. When I got done, I felt like I needed to go see our good friends at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma, Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in in Oklahoma City. 
Big 12 match play last week. Texas Tech gets it done in the final match over Texas. And Oklahoma pretty well drubs Oklahoma State in the consolation match. Uh, Chikara got the best of Logan McAllister, but OU pretty much uh, had it figured out from there on in. So, I mean, Big 12 is loaded with uh, with great golf schools whenever you consider the fact that OU and OSU are the top two teams in the country and they were playing in consolation. Uh, so, Taylor, Texas Tech, Texas, very much kind of in that same realm with OU and OSU. That's four schools out of the Big 12 that I think realistically we could see. Uh, it, it Basically, it wouldn't shock you if any of those teams were in the match play come May. Absolutely not. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, like I said, you see four, so that'd be 50% of, of the match play teams in. Um, it's kind of the same going next week because the, uh, the next time OU and OSU both play is at the East Lake Cup. I believe that's the 25th through the 28th or something along those lines of October, which is one of the biggest events of the year because it's the top uh, top four teams that made it to the match play portion of the NCAA championship last year. And that was out of Greyhawk are going to be playing. So I believe that's who, who are gonna be the other two teams going to be Arizona State and Pepperdine, I believe, will be the other two. So that's going to be one hell of a tournament. But like I said right there, that's 50% right there. And that's not even the Big 12. That's just one state right there. So, I mean, I think that you add all the Texas schools into it, you know, and, and I think some two guys is that I think Cole Hammer for Texas is a very talented player. We got to see him up at Prairie Dunes, and from what I've seen, he's got the long putter going. He he seems to be struggling a little bit, and so I think that if, if he can get it rolling, obviously with Pearson Cootie down there as well and all the other great players, I think Texas may be a threat, and I, I hate to say that, but I, I think that if they can get the ball rolling, they might be able to challenge the state schools. I sure hope they don't, but I think they can. Yeah, hopefully Sarkeesian's not there to give them uh, <laughs> advice on the closing stretch of holes. <laughs> yeah, the Texas can't close in football. Sarkeesian uh, can tell them how to play the front nine, and then he can leave before the back nine starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That, by the way, that what a, what a pick that was that changed the game, the pick six <laughs> that OSU had. Uh, but no, boys, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think that uh, it was funny that you had OU and OSU in the consolation match because I think they're the two best teams in college golf, I in my opinion. I think they're ranked as the top Two teams yeah, they are. OU's ranked golf. one and OSU's yeah. ranked two. Yeah. Uh, and and it's you know you know what's funny is I got a couple texts from people that you know are casual golf fans and they're like, oh, did you see the OU beat OSU? You know, OU has been a perennial you know top five to ten team over the past decade. If you haven't you know realized that OU golf uh, over the past decade has been just as good as OSU golf, uh, they're at the need, same level, and that level is the top. The, the level is the top, and yeah. OU's elite, just like OSU is. So we're, I think that. Just like last year, even though it's a different cast of characters uh, between these two teams, I think that we have a great chance of trying to have that OU-OSU national championship. Bad love. Come on, bad love. So, so look, guys, I've said this a hundred times, but but I'll say it again. And there's a lot of great college golf coaches out there. I mean, there's Mike McGraw, Alan Bratner up there, but there's no doubt in my mind Ryan Hipple's the best golf coach, uh, college golf coach in America. And where he, where he took the Oklahoma program from where – and when, whenever he took it over, whenever I was about a sophomore, junior in high school, to where it is now is just absurd to be able to get it to where it's a top five program when they were not even a top 150 program. And, and we've had so many players on of his Quake Cummins, Brad Dalkey, Gellerman, and no one can say a bad word about this. And I mean, that, that just goes to show how, how great it is. And they're not slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, PGA Tour U got a lot more interesting with an announcement that they made last week after the fall 
number one in the rankings in the fall for PGA Tour U will get an exemption into the Dubai Desert Classic on the European Tour. And who's number one right now? Right now, Sam Bennett out of Texas A&M University. Only four points behind him is Pearson Cootie down in Texas. Logan McAllister is about another 50 points behind Cootie. And then you have to drop off about another 70 points to get down to Eugenio Lopez Chikara. And then Alex Fitzpatrick from Wake Forest is a little bit further down. But there are several fall events left. The Eastlake Cup is a big opportunity for both Logan McAllister and Eugenio Lopez Chikara because uh, Sam Bennett, not in the Eastlake Cup, plays for Texas A&M. Pearson Cootie, not in the Eastlake Cup, plays for Texas. So that's a big opportunity the, for Logan and, and Chikara. The Eastlake Cup will be interesting too, especially for Oklahoma because uh, I, I I don't even know if, uh, if Benny's going to play, but he won there last year. And yeah. so if he could get that game back and get those good vibes going, that could be good for OU as well. The cross-handed bandit Patrick Welch, Vinny, as they like to call him. But, it, you know, that's a huge thing, getting that Dubai Desert Classic. And, by the way, those points that you listed right there in the top five, any one of those guys could finish first. So. Yes. Yeah, a lot of points still out and up for grabs. Um, so, Taylor, PGA Tour U, you think McAllister or Chikar can sneak in there? I do, I do. I mean, I think that they're going to have plenty of opportunities opportunities right i mean they're going to be playing the, the biggest college events against the best fields and they're going to have playing the best tournaments best courses all that so yeah and obviously we see the talent with how good they are so i mean it just and we saw it last year too guys i mean it, it's just a stroke here or there you know a uh, friend of the show quake Cummins finished sixth on on the point he's still able to get some exemptions here or there but uh, you know it would have been nice to get in that top five just shows how fine of line it is and we know how great of a player he is so I, I, absolutely I, I think they can for sure because uh, if they just keep doing what they're doing seriously but you know, with it being the second year of the deal, we talked about last year with some of the guys that were in it. You know, it's it's a thing that's on your mind, and it's something that you know players like me or Sam definitely never had to worry about because with uh, with us playing so long ago. But but you know, these players have to now with how good they are, and it's uh, it definitely has something to weigh on because it dictates how you spend the next couple of years of your life. So I mean, anyone who doesn't think about it is, is an idiot. Yep. By the way, you mentioned Alex Fitzpatrick uh, is number five, right? And PGA two are you, Ali Fitz? Yep. And uh, his brother. Matt Fitzpatrick Matty got Fitz. the dub in Spain this week on a tough golf course in some tough conditions. I think that Matt Fitzpatrick, that kind of fit his game perfectly to, you know, play in Spain and uh, in those tough conditions. I mean, when else is he going to, you know, dominate a field like that? Yeah, we had a pitch and putt breakout in Vegas, and we had a U.S. Open breakout in Spain. Matt, Matty Fitz was six under, won the tournament by three shots. Uh, John Rahm shot like 78, 75, missed the cut. There were a bunch of scores in the 80s on Thursday Colby and Friday. Colby told me that, uh, that – Antoine Rosner shot like a 79, yeah, 75 like 79, or whatever. Yeah, I think so. And I've never seen Antoine shoot 79 in my life. I mean, there was a guy, a, a professional. I mean, these guys are legit. 82-83, first two days. 23 over, missed the cut. That is some seriously difficult conditions on the golf course. Taylor, anything we missed today before we wrap it up? Yes, I, I want to get I want to get two things. One, I want to shout out the unsung heroes of, of the CJ Cup. There was only two players who shot worse than four under par. Man, Siwoo Kim shot even par for the tournament. Siwoo! Two score all the way down. We got we got our man Charles Swartzel. <laughs> seven over par. <laughs> we go from four under, even par, seven over. My man Charles, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, that that's just terrible. Tyler, I guess he was just Tyler. like, you know what, I'm going to come. We need strokes gain. Do you still have data golf pulled up? We need Charles Swartzel strokes gain on the week. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I got it right okay, here. All right, here, let me. Let, let me try. Oh, you got okay. Let yeah. me transition topics real quick while you pull it up. I got it right we, here. We saw so. it on Saturday because that was the day that I got. I watched the majority of it. Rory and A. Mancer played played with each other in the in the third round of played in the same round. I probably should phrase that a little better. But um, 
you know, they, they, they were just able to feed off of each other. They, they actually both got interviewed at the same time uh, after the round. And they both just talked about how, oh, well, you know, he was making birdies, making eagles. He, I, he made a putt, so then I made a putt. And uh, Rory, I believe, even said that whenever you're playing with someone who's playing that good, you don't even have bad thoughts come in your head because all you're seeing is good shots. So, I mean, guys, what is it about playing with another player who's, you know, playing such great golf that you just feed off momentum? Because it just seems like any time I've noticed it too, but it seems like it just doesn't make sense where it's like you should just play your own game, hit your own ball, and play play the best you can. But when you're playing with someone who shoots 500, it's a lot easier to shoot under par than when you're playing with someone who's shooting 15 over for sure. Yeah, to me, that gets into the psychology of golf, which I, I love sports psychology. It's just there's a certain energy in the group, and, and it goes the other way, too. It's It can be positive or negative. Uh, yesterday, because we were playing foursomes for singles with the MGA Cup, and me and the guy on my team that I was riding with, uh, we both, he lost four and three, I lost three and two, and all day it just really felt like we were swimming upstream and like we were just having to battle for every last thing and having to make eight footers to have and stuff like that. And it's just the, the energy you, you feel it. And when it's going wrong, it's hard to overcome. And when it's going right, you just get into a rhythm. So I think that's definitely, uh, definitely something that guys feed off of. By the way, Charles Schwartzel lost 5.32 shots on the field. But the interesting thing about his stats this week is he only lost 0.39 shots Strokes gained approach. Roy McIlroy actually lost .91 strokes gained wow. approach. <laughs> what was, oh, my Lord. That's what was not Charles something you worst, see very often. What was Charles' worst strokes gained? Was it around the green? Was it approach the green? It was T to green, and he lost 3.01. God. So, oh, boy, Charles. Minus, minus, minus 2.31 on the green, uh, minus 1.92 off the T. Hello, ha- tournament. Hashtag how high for Charles before we get out of here. I've got it pulled up. Taylor, you got first guess. How high for Charles? Oh, um, he got way up there. I'm going to say sixth. Sam? Did he say fifth or sixth? I think he said sixth. 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 I'll, sixth. Go, I'll go eighth. It is sixth. Tyler, ah. nailed it on the head. Ooh. Nailed it on the head. Right uh, on the money. Uh, I, I, one last thing I want to say before we get out of here. Uh, we talked about how great of a field it was. Uh, strength of field is 619 or whatever. Linda strength of field. Uh, Friend of the show, Taylor Gooch, led the field in strokes gain approach to green. This shows how great of an iron player. Well done. Yep. Well done, TG. Great Absolutely. week. Great week. Great hey, week for a lot of guys where around we, the state of Oklahoma. Where are we at this week? Uh, this week's Zozo. Yep. J- Japan. Got the Zozo. and Oh, that's right. In Japan. And yep. then also, uh, I think this weekend is the uh, uh, Red River, Oklahoma versus Texas. It is. Down, down at Windstar. Yep. We're, we're actually not due to conflicts. uh I'm not going to be able to go down there this week, but uh, we were planning on it, and we had something else come up with uh, a new gig. But we're definitely going to be covering it as heavy as we possibly can, even though we're not going to be there. Yep, we'll get as much information as we can uh, from Windstar. It's taking place in Windstar, right? Yeah. As they, as they redo norm- Dornick. Yeah, it's yeah. normally at Dornick. Yep, but- Dornick's going through a redesign, some renovations, so it's going to be down at Windstar this week. So we'll get as much information as we can from Windstar. Also, that's a great reason to get over to GolfOklahoma.org. GolfOklahoma.org. There are some great junior golf in this state. These these are guys that you're going to see uh, playing at OU and OSU in the future and uh, Oklahoma taking on Texas and what should be a lot of fun on both the men's and the women's side because uh, there's some elite women's golf being played in this state at the junior level as well. Uh, Taylor, great stuff from Missouri. Big shout out to Bob Winskowitz for joining us today. Everybody check out Squares Golf Shoes, SQ. 
A-I-R-Z Squares Golf Shoes. All right, a lot of fun today on the 73rd hole. We're back in the next couple days to preview the Zozo Championship across the pond and then across another pond as we head over to Japan. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.